Hey there, welcome to the Seinfeld Podcast. I'm Chris Pugh. As always, Craig and Laura here. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I, I, I'm a little depressed because Laura mentioned this on the other thing that we record. I'm looking outside. It's 530. And it looks like it's almost getting dark. It is getting dark, yeah. It's dark here. <laughs> I, I remember um, we had some meetings after my work yesterday with my family, and we're like, let's not make supper, let's go out to eat. Uh, so we went to a drive through about 7.30. It felt like it was 10 o'clock, and I was getting grumpy, like, I got to go to bed, and everything. I'm like, yeah. well, I was like, what's going on? I'm like, it's late. It feels late. and But it was 7.30, but it looked outside like it was 3 in the morning. It was crazy, yeah. so. All right. Well, you didn't tune in to hear me grumble about daylight savings time or anything else like that. Uh, we're talking Seinfeld, and man, we progressed. Uh, I think it was because uh, the first season of Seinfeld, they were testing the show, seeing if it will work. Um, apparently, Jerry had some pictures of NBC executives because I <laughs> we can make arguments that season one was actually good or not, but it was clear that they said, "Hey, we're going to do season two. So we got the season debut here, uh, season two, the ex-girlfriend, and I, I think we're heading in the right direction. Again, if we were doing this week by week, I would say I'm still not sure if the show's going to last because I wasn't super thrilled with the ex-girlfriend, but uh, a lot better than some of these episodes in season one. Is that your guys' overall view? Looking at it. Did Craig freeze? No. Oh, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to have you go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's progressing a little bit better. It's still, like you said, though, I think if if we were doing this live week by week, I don't know if, if we'd be ultra confident that we would get 173 episodes worth of Seinfeld. Yeah. Granted, I don't know that we'd be doing a podcast about Seinfeld at the time. Because I don't know that it was, I mean, maybe it was popular at the time, but uh, it must have been popular enough. But um, I don't know that we'd be doing a, a podcast at that time, but it's gotten better. I mean, this is a better episode than what we've seen. Um, ever since um, ever since we talked a couple weeks ago about um, Elaine and that she didn't really have anything to do, this is another episode, start yeah. of the second season, where she doesn't have anything to do. I mean, it's like the most convoluted problem, you know, that she has. Yeah. And, you know, basically all she does is get to yell a little. Um, but there's really nothing there, you know. She says the she's a third vote on the can, uh, cantaloupe being bad, you know. Yeah. So. That's and I also, Craig, noticed something that Kramer's... Uh, Kramer's reaction to Jerry's problem over... Uh, Marlene. Yeah. I think this time I agree with you. He was enjoying Jerry's problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> he was the way he was smiling and he was very much enjoying his problem. <laughs> so. At the time, it was truly the big two when you looked at Seinfeld. I mean, in terms of how they were looking at the characters, it was pretty much a George and Jerry show. It was different how they viewed it back then. Yeah, the, the evenness, I guess you would say, was not there. Obviously, Laura hit the nail on the head. This is another just absolute throwaway uh, Elaine episode. Not a whole bunch for Kramer, although 
I guess uh, not really thinking about it, this is uh, where we get to meet his fruit obsession. Of course, later on in the series, you know, he gets banned from the fruit stand and there's a big episode about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess um, it's a little disappointing because, you know, you feel like six episodes in, they really haven't been able to nail down the two other side characters that we would become really iconic TV characters over the years, but they really, they really haven't figured it out yet. And Kramer sort of has been there since the beginning. Elaine obviously has not, but it just, it's kind of disappointing that, you know, it's nothing against Jerry and George. I think their interplay between each other is fine. It's just, you know, you know what this becomes and you know what comes of Kramer and Elaine. And you kind of wonder like, how could they have done them so wrong early in the series like this? Yeah. Right. I'm baffled about Marlene. Now, our recent Seinfeld and Frasier episodes have been noted for me making crazy comments saying, I like this girl. And Laura's like, no, I don't like this girl and everything. But I, I think we'll all agree on Marlene. Um, you know, a little annoying, definitely. Here's my thought. And, okay, don't look at me wrong for saying this. That's why I'm kind of looking away from the screen as I make this comment. <laughs> Okay, there's so much more about relationships than somebody's looks. I, I, I totally get that. But in the sake of, hey, we're talking about comedy and everything else, what's up with George? I mean, George, yeah, Marlene's kind of annoying. I understand that. But if you look at attractiveness and everything, what does George have going for him? You know, kind of yeah, dumpy. Where's he going? Is he going anywhere? Hey, hey, at least Marlene's an attractive girl, and you know, George wants to throw it away. I mean, I understand that with Marlene's just blah personality, I was expecting this to end up in a marriage, but come on, George. You, you gotta... I, 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 I think George overstepped here. I don't know. I'm probably wrong, but that's just my thought. Well, isn't this sort of the status quo for George? Like, even if even if he has a great girl that you know, checks off all the boxes for him. Doesn't he end up finding a way to screw it up? Yeah. You know, whatever yeah. it's, they're too good or they're not good enough or I'm not good enough. So they kind of fall into the volcano of their insecurities. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, this the only thing that I would say is like, I think the way you're describing George is how we come to know him. But right. at this moment in time in this series, like six episodes in, we don't really know George as being the he doesn't have anything going on in his life. He lives with his parents or he's not successful or X, Y, and Z here. We're, you know, we're still under the impression that he's got his stuff together. You know, I know in the previous episodes, you know, it seems like he was in real estate of some sort because he was trying to pawn me, not pawn the apartment off on Jerry, but get Jerry to, to take that apartment. So, um, you know, at this point we haven't really come to know, the George that we've come to know over the course of 173 episodes more so we still think that he's a catch, I guess you could say as far as like, he's a successful person, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but uh, in this case with Marlene, you know, he didn't seem to care that it ended or he wanted it to end. And unfortunately there was that, you know, sort of a throwaway line of, you know, she's too crazy for me, which I think is kind of an unfair terrible writing trope of of this series at times when it deals with female characters just say oh well we'll just say they're crazy 
and that's like the standby in this series at times or in a lot of TV and movies because I think especially when you have men writing the show or a movie they don't really understand the female perspective all that much so the uh, the default is to just say they're crazy or they have some sort of an issue you know mentally yeah is it me yeah what do you think Laura? Okay. um i thought it was interesting that jerry kind of broke up well he didn't break up with her but want seemingly seemingly wanted to break up with her for the same reasons that george didn't want to be with her you know it was too much you know she was mm -hmm. too much too much contact too much together you know whether it's over the phone or you know in person or whatever um the um i i agree with craig on the the crazy stuff yeah because um I mean, it even goes to the point where, you know, they sort of paint most of these people that get broken up with on the show as crazy because, you know, they have man hands or they eat their peas one at a time or, you know, whatever reason, you know. So that's a good, that's a pretty good explanation. Um, the... Um, I love the fact that George and uh, Jerry were talking about her in the uh, doctor's office waiting room. <laughs> um, and, you know, with no attempt to hide their, the sound of their voices, you know, yes, yes. at first you're like, Oh, maybe there's not anybody there, but you know, when they pan out, the whole waiting room is basically full, you know? Right. right. <laughs> I have to say one of my favorite parts is when Jerry's like, Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I don't even remember which cat, which problem that was, but it was just so funny. Um, I I don't know. I I didn't mind Marlene until the end, you know, where you know Jerry's kind of right. You know, if you don't respect <laughs> you don't respect somebody for what they do, and you really aren't that accomplished yourself, you know, is that really fair? <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. And she just didn't like his comedy. It wasn't like she said, hey, you're a comedian, I don't like you. She no. didn't think he was a great comedian, right? Right. Mm -hmm. right. She didn't like his act. Yeah. Well, here's here I'm gonna I'm gonna now I, I will I I agree with you, and this is sort of my counterpoint to that. Like, this is what Jerry is. He's a funny guy, he's a comedian, this is what he does for a living. This is how he acts in public, you know, he tries he tries to be quick witted and, and, and zany and fun. Mm -hmm. And I think from her perspective, like, first off, I think it's kind of giving Jerry the, a little taste of his own medicine, because we know Jerry, even up to this point, um, although th at this point, he sort of obsesses over women and then breaks up with them or whatever, for whatever reason. And he does that throughout the series where, you know, he likes them, wants to be with them. And then all of a sudden, it's like, nope, I want something different. But in this case, she turns it on the other foot here. And breaks up with him over a dumb reason but i will argue though that not liking his comedy or not liking maybe she equates that to his personality like mm -hmm. oh is this is this how he's gonna be when we're out dating and being in a serious relationship is he just and if you don't think that's funny you probably don't want to be around that 24 7 in in a long-term commitment so I can see it from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, 
it definitely is sort of a judgmental take on, on a relationship, but we also see that quite a bit in this series anyway. But she does like George's. Right. <laughs> you know, because she's so upset about George uh, breaking up with her, which to me is one of the ba- the better lines in this entire series. Son of a boom! Son of a bang! Yeah. <laughs> oh, George is describing the breakup process. Yeah. That's, now. that's one of my favorite lines of the whole Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Think about what you guys are both saying. I, I can see a little bit of both. I mean, I know for me, and yeah, this will hit home for Laura because um, the place I used to work at before I, I started working with Laura up in the Cleveland area is a place that she's now managing now. And it was funny because my my future mother-in-law had this big conversation with me and because I was at the old place. And she's like, man, you got to earn more money, you know? And I, I think it was not a, oh, you're not writing for prestigious stuff paper. I mean, there was just more of a concern about, hey, can you financially support my daughter? You know, that kind of. So, I mean, I can see both of it. Maybe, you know, there's a little bit of a personality, but maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, no matter how popular he felt he was, maybe he wasn't going to be able to support her well enough. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know if she thinks he's going to fail. I think it's just like, if you know, you know how some people say like, "Well, I don't date cops," or "I don't date right. fill yeah. in the blank," and there's reasons why you don't do that. You know, you there's maybe right. reasons why you stray away from that. And maybe her thought is, "I just don't find his humor funny, and if I'm gonna be around him or anybody else for the rest of my life, I don't want to not laugh because of that." You know what I mean? Right. So I think it's I think I interpreted it as that where it's not like she thinks he's going to fail and just be this bum. I, I think she, she just looked at it like, I don't find that humor funny. I will say this, though. I'm glad they, they had that angle inserted in here. I don't re- recall. I mean, there's probably some times where, you know, where he got heckled in other episodes, things like that. But I actually kind of th- found it refreshing that they had this angle because it, it poked fun at themselves. Basically, Jerry Seinfeld posting, poking fun at himself saying, okay, I'm not the greatest comedian ever. Some people are going to find my humor great and my, my act great, and then some are going to hate it. And in this case, this is one of those situations where he can you know be humble enough to know that not everybody's going to love his comedy. So I did like that aspect of it. Maybe they could have done it in a better way. But, you know, I, I kind of get what, what Marlene's saying, because, you know, you want to be in a relationship, you want to have that other person make you laugh or feel a certain way about whatever. And if they don't, then why even dive into the deep end then, even though she was kind of like obsessed with him. But, you know, it just seemed like uh, maybe it was her time to say, well, you know, it's just I don't want to live my life like that. I want to, you know, you know, and we're life short, you know, so, yeah. Live, live the way you want to live, I suppose. It is. Yeah, I can appreciate Jerry Seinfeld's act. It was a, like Seinfeld, but I never was a huge fan of his comedy, so go Marlene. Yeah. Well, proceed, Marlene. <laughs> Maybe I'm getting on Marlene's side, too. And what was this, too? Because, yeah, her drawl. Now, <laughs> we, we, could, we could be getting really personal because uh, Craig here is in the process currently of moving from Ohio to Tennessee. So I, I don't know, Laura, which episode do you think will be before Craig starts sounding like Marlene? I mean, we're on episode six. You think probably by episode 50, you know, Craig will be like, ah, you know. I don't so know. Craig it's Marlene. a good question. 
that's very funny. But, you know, I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting because, you know, advancing the show, you know, they start dating. And, well, Jerry, I think, is interested in dating Marlene, and they're kind of semi going out, and Jerry sees the concerns George sees about Marlene. But the, but he calls it like the psychosexual hold on him, and yeah, I from watching the episode, I can kind of get that, you know, where it's kind of annoying but maybe alluring at the same time. I, I I've never met someone like a Marlene before, either in TV on a TV show like or in real life. I don't know. Would you, so I know Marlene was annoying, but do you think she's kind of alluring at the same time? Well, she was a good-looking woman, and, you know, she had that southern charm, and sometimes that can carry you a long way. Um, and I, I agree that even though she did have some of those traits that Jerry would just disdain years later in, in the series, you know, I can see why he found it alluring. But also, too, with the way Jerry is, I think he's got this, like, level of narcissism where he just wants to experience it because he's Jerry Sign, Like, he wants it because he thinks that's what he wants or he, he, he's destined to have it. And maybe that's one of those cases where, you know, maybe he just felt like, well, you know, I know she's wrong for me, but I still want to, you know, bite the forbidden fruit, so to speak, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe that's what it was about is just another conquest for him, I suppose. Laura? I think he just, I don't know. I think he was just, a, I think he was just attracted to her. Yeah. And I think he was embarrassed at first to tell George. And by the way, George's reaction was one of the only times in this entire series that I thought he was like normal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, yeah. I don't mind. You know, at a, at yeah. a time where yeah. he probably could have been not normal yeah. and would have That's been probably the time he would have yeah. been best, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. I think he just saw her as a con as a conquest and, yeah, you know, and he knew from George seemingly, although it's, it's not really laid out, but I think he really, he thought she was easy, <laughs> you know, cause she's, you yeah. know, well, it's weird because I wanted to thing. ask you yeah. guys, I wanted to ask you guys about, sure. um, you know, that reaction that George had, I mean, you know, I I watched it and I hadn't watched this episode in a number number of years and kind of forgot a little bit about this. But I mean, is that reaction realistic? I mean, you know, we've also seen um, you know, Jerry obviously he he loves George, he's best friends with George, but we've also seen him in future seasons when uh, for instance he went with went out with Newman's ex-girlfriend that he couldn't even yeah. he couldn't stand the sight of her at, at that point. Now I know this was Newman. I know this yeah. Oh, yeah. because that's a that's his you know arch nemesis, so to speak. And right. George certainly isn't. But George is his best friend though. Like, you know, don't you don't you have a little bit of obligation to not step on your best friend's toes? I mean that's kind of strange, isn't it? Like that reaction that and then the reaction from George is just even stranger, I think. Yeah. I, I Oh, you are. Well, I was going to say, um, to me, it seemed, you know, from the dancing and everything when he first came, when he first came into Jerry's, when he said it was over, it, it didn't seem like there was that much, 
you know, it didn't feel like there was going to be any rekindling. <laughs> right. So. But I think my counter to that, though, is we know how George is. He is so insecure, mm -hmm. so just anxiety filled. Don't you think that like once Jerry would start dating his ex-girlfriend that he would then compare everything that they do to what he and her did, like whether that's dates or in the bedroom, so to speak? I mean, don't you think that George is like not he doesn't have the personality type to maybe take that and be like, yeah, I don't care. Have her, you know, or whatever. Go yeah. out with her. Yeah, but I don't think uh, I don't think any, either any of those four people really care, you know, right what the other ones think, you know? Sure. Well, and maybe there's a difference between season two, George, and season six or seven. That's I mean, correct. if you put this show in season six or seven, George freaks out, but George is freaking out a lot more than... Yeah, George was a little more insane, I think. Yeah. And, and I, I think, too, Lauren pegged it earlier when she said... <laughs> Going hey, back to what you said about insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, but I thought Lauren pegged it when you know, she was talking about, hey, he, she was a conquest to him. Like, I, you know, when I was dating my wife, we, you know, my friends got to know my wife. And if for some reason I, we broke up and my friend said, hey, I want to date her. I mean, I, I, I would always have feelings about my wife and I would be like, no, because I have feelings over it. It'd be hard. But it sounded like George just looked at the feeling George had was, hey, she's just a conquest for him. So if that's the case, yeah. I mean, you're right. There's got to be something out there, Craig, because, you know, you might be a monster if you're just like, eh, whatever. But, you know, I think he got through it because she looked at he looked at her just more as a conquest. Right. But even Jerry, though, like, I mean, I know Jerry didn't, like, ultimately pursue it from the beginning. Like, they, he kind of fell into the spell, as he said, the, you mm -hmm. know, the psychosexual spell. So, I mean, they did approach it in a better way like that. Like, if he had just been itching at it to, to get with her after the breakup, then that probably would have been a little bit different in taking it in as opposed to, you know, he went there to get the books, they kind of talk, and then all of a sudden he's just, like, under this woman's spell and he doesn't even realize that they're, like, dating, essentially. But it's still, I mean, from Jerry's perspective, I, you know, it wasn't like he was struggling in the in the, the girlfriend department. So I just feel like uh, as a self-respecting friend, even if he looked at her just as a conquest and not a potential relationship, like, wouldn't you think as, as George's best friend, he would say, okay, I'm going to draw the line. You got to have some standards, right? You know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's not consecutive time, but... I mean, the last episode, George, I mean, you could say, even though it's six months later, you could say that George or Jerry is, you know, coming off of that other relationship with the girl that lasted a oh, long yeah. time, yeah. you know, the only one who ever lasted more than one or two. Um, I, I was looking at Wikipedia's notes for the episode and Wikipedia was, well, whoever wrote the, the article, yeah, whoever wrote the article for Wikipedia claimed that Jerry Ryan um, auditioned for the role of Marlene in that episode. Really? I am a big Jerry Ryan fan. If Jerry Ryan would play Marlene, th this whole conversation would be different. I'd be like, no, Marlene's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, very good. And, any other thoughts on what happened? I mean, you know, it, it, things just didn't work out, obviously. You know, Jerry and Marlene didn't last 
Well, it's it's a better episode than what we've seen, and it, it is the kickoff of, of season two. And you know, obviously, as we all know, um, the show gets progressively, progressively better. I just, you know, it's just disappointing that they, you know, they didn't find their footing. And I get, you know, thankfully for them, they had an opportunity to let it breathe, and NBC didn't give it the axe right away because I think a show like that even if it's in that era, if it's in today's period of time where things are, you got to, you got to hit big in ratings or people got to love your show or you're going to get canceled. I I don't know that, you know, if they were giving, and this was a mid season entry, this was a January premiere. So it wasn't like they were putting all their eggs in the fall basket. Like you normally do. Um, It just, to me, it was one of those shows where it's better than what we've seen, but it's still disappointing that Kramer and Elaine are just afterthoughts after six episodes, especially when you think about the time element. Now, I know at the time, you know, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld probably weren't all that aware of how how things were going to go and the time elements of episodes and getting renewed and how much, you know, backing they were going to get. But, you know, you're talking about this is almost two years after the premiere. Now, it's not quite about maybe six months shy of a two year anniversary of season one's premiere so that meant that they had quite a bit of time in between to really hash out some of those things so given the amount of time that they had you're kind of disappointed that the side characters that would become so beloved in tv history were just such an afterthought i mean not even close to an afterthought way worse than afterthoughts let me give you a crazy hot take and this is something uh, this is almost like the uh, the CNN, MSNBC, and the ESPN argument shows where they make up crap as hot takes. But I was thinking about this for the past couple of minutes. And I, I'm actually, uh, I'm feeling good about this take. Larry David, I'm pro Larry David. Yeah, but he wrote a lot of his early episodes. The show didn't find his footing. Maybe Larry, Larry actor, Larry David was a better actor than the writer, and NBC was stuck. NBC was in love with Seinfeld at the time, you know, as a Jerry Seinfeld. You know, I, I, I'm sure they would have given them a talk show, but at the time, you saw like Carson on Tonight Show. You had Lerm, and you weren't going to let a- either one of those guys go. But, man, I, I wish I would have seen Larry David as the Seinfeld character and bring in somebody else to write, because as much as we loud Larry David, I'm a Larry David guy. I mean, he wrote this episode, and it wasn't that I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it, it wasn't memorable either. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, Lori, you can go first on that. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a big complaint in Hollywood. Yeah, men don't know how to write for women. Yeah, which, you know, we'll bring up, we'll bring us to, you know, <laughs> our fight last week, which we were oh, yes. continue today about um, the fact that Ted Lasso. Oh yes. Um, is able to their their writers who are all men are able to write women really well. Yeah. Um, but um, it, I honestly just I don't think they have gotten to the point where there's more than maybe two stories. Maybe this episode is part of was supposed to be part of the first season and they dropped it. Right. Yeah. Right. You never know. Um, it seems very much like that. You know. Yeah. You know, stupid crap for the two of them to do, you know? 
Yeah. Say, the other thing I will say, and this is this is how bad the situation was with Kramer in this episode. I was looking at his hair, and it looked really good. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was before it went really insane, you know. <laughs> but um, it just, uh, I don't know. It just, he didn't, uh, they, I don't know. I mean, there's something wrong. There is something wrong. And I, I don't, I can't put my finger on it. I mean, I don't know that much about this, what went on, but um, I mean, we pick up, both of them have a little more to do in the next episode, which kind of makes me think the um, idea of maybe this was supposed to be the sixth episode, you know, for season one. Right. Well, I think we forget that, especially these days where you're filming so much stuff for so many different networks. Like, we see something on Hulu and we're like, oh, they filmed it for Hulu. No, they just filmed a movie project or a TV show and said, who wants it? And if it's Hulu or Paramount or HBO or whoever, they just take it and go from there. Um, yeah, let's finish up the conversation about Ted Lasso. We're pretty much done with the Seinfeld part of it. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Laura. Um, you know, we're in a different time with 2021. And a good time. I'm not saying not blaming 2021, but a lot. There was crappy writing. Um, you know, as you guys both said earlier, you know, you had oh he broke up with her, so she must be the jerk, or she must be crazy, or whatever else the case might be. And it wasn't written friendly toward people of color or women or anything. And it, it doesn't mean you have to just have women or people of color in the episode, but you need to have writing that reflects society. And yeah, it's funny. It's supposed to be a silly comedy. We like Seinfeld. That's why we're sitting here weekly doing a podcast about Seinfeld. But there's just some awkward shows like like this one, you know, just where oh, you know, Marlene's crazy. Well, as the years go on, you'll find out that Jerry and George are every bit as crazy as Marlene is, you know. So. It, it's tough. And, and again, I, you know, t- Ted Lasso is fine. I, it didn't hit me as a great show of all time, but I'm not anti-Ted Lasso. I'm good with Ted Lasso, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm just talking, now I'm just talking about, you know, the way they write for the women. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny, Chris, you, you kind of had that hot take. And I, I actually agree that, you know, Larry David is a better actor for that spot than Jerry but I, I was looking through, uh, you know, Larry David uh, does, he has one nomination for uh, two nominations, I'm sorry, uh, for writing credits for Seinfeld. Hmm. Uh, and that's it. Now, you got to remember, you know, he had eight, nine seasons of Seinfeld. He's had almost a dozen seasons of Kirby or Enthusiasm, and he has not broken through writing category wise in in curb your enthusiasm which is probably you could argue is a better show overall maybe than seinfeld um but also maybe that speaks a little bit to, to larry david's writing but the performance is so much better maybe than the writing not that the writing's bad don't get me wrong i mean you know they they were kind of breaking new ground here with the show about nothing but it just kind of speaks to me i you know because those series both you know, cleaned up Emmy nominations year after year, whether it's for outstanding comedy series or, of course, in the acting categories. So it just kind of speaks to me that in that day and age, and maybe I'm I'm wrong in saying this, but you would think that if Seinfeld was 
a la Ted Lasso dominating the Emmy nominations, you would think that writing would be a little bit more upfront with that because that's the comedy. The comedy comes from the writing and then the performances, but the writing just uh, never really took off in the, you know, at least for Larry David. Now I'm not saying that other episodes that maybe Larry David didn't write were nominated, but based on what I'm seeing, I mean, you know, he had a double nomination in 1994 um he had one in 90 he had two in 92 so i should i should preface it by saying you know going back to 91 and 92 he actually did get nominations which is funny though because 91 we're talking about episodes that we're going to be seeing so um and i'm pretty sure the next one the pony remake or the pony remark is one episode that got nominated for best writing and then the deal another season uh, episode that we'll watch here also got nominated so it's not far removed from getting Emmy nominations, despite the fact that some of the writing here is just not quite up to snuff just yet. Well, he actually left Seinfeld partway through the series, so I don't know. All right. Well, Laura, any other thoughts on Seinfeld this week? Not really. I mean, okay. there, wasn't, there wasn't really a ton here. Yeah. Just the, the big Marlene episode, so. Yeah. Well, let me finish up because sometimes I get through these without doing any promos. So uh, check our sponsors, uh, Chase Bank and Ashley Home Store. It helps us out, you know, as well as sharing this episode. Thank you to everybody sharing it. Our, our Seinfeld and Frasier episodes are doing well, and we appreciate everyone who listens in. Um, sponsors, help us out. Uh, help, uh, we enjoy doing this, but, yeah, if you can help us out and sponsor us, I'd be back. Um, lots of episodes on the network. Um, Danae King and um, Megan Henry from Columbus Dispatch. We've had them on recently to talk about some Ohio stuff. Um, was telling Laura about this earlier. Craig, um, you can see some Ohioan podcasts on ColumbusDispatch.com, which I'm, I'm really still at a loss for. And I'm excited. It's great to see uh, some interviews with Danae appear on there. Um, we also, we're going to talk to Joe Castle a little later on the YouTube show. Um, remind me, what's the show called? I, I was watching. Oh this boy, afternoon. you're putting me, you're putting me on the spot here. I, I want to see if Laura's ever heard of this show. Good Mythical Morning is the show. Laura, Laura, have you ever checked out Good Mythical Morning? Okay. We, 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 we checked that out. Uh, two guys are analyzing milkshakes and, uh, Ooh. I'm, uh, I should check it out. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Obviously. It's, I've been watching more YouTube-created stuff, and mm -hmm. I'm not terrified, bored, but I wasn't super excited either. Um, that's kind of the thought. And then later on, we're starting to pick what we're going to watch the following week. And Laura, one of the episodes I nominated was um, Hitler, the Netflix movie Look Who's Back. I don't know if you've seen that. No. I, I got a feeling that won't be picked, but we got some other choices. There's a guy, I think it's Indy Cats or something. He's a travel blogger, and, and Craig, I'm going to try to sell you guys on watching him. I was watching an episode of him going to Medellin, Colombia, oh, and he keeps going down the wrong roads. Like the taxi driver's like, "Hey, don't go down this road." He's like, "Oh, I'll be fine." He goes down that road, and uh, he gets hassled by gangs and everything. It, <laughs> I, I'm sure some of it is made up a little bit for TV, but he's in Colombia. Oh, 
Yeah, probably <laughs> not. <laughs> uh, he's doing everything I, they told me not to do when I went to South America. So that irritated me. But we'll decide that with Joe. We talk to him later. And then, um, yeah, Craig and I are going to try to do some uh, more pop culture episodes. We'll see how that works. Um, Paul and um, Joe and I, uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be mad about a couple things. Um, Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback, Laura, you missed this on the NFL on Sunday. He got sacked by a defensive player named yeah, Josh Allen. Mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's the NFL news we get excited about. So that's we'll like talk. When Kramer was on First and First Street, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. And then what else? Uh, trying to make sure I got everything. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a judge banishing Elf on the Shelf. And then, oh, yes. Uh, Laura and I actually talked about this during the Frasier podcast. We're going to be talking about Paul Rudd being named the sexiest man alive. Oh, yeah. I, I've got thoughts. Did you look at his picture? I, I haven't yet. I need to oh. check it out. So the man, is that good? Means like the, uh, the a real case of Benjamin Button, though. He literally looks younger now than he did when he was like 30 years ago. It's incredible how that guy does not age. Is that picture going to change my mind more? Like once I see that picture, I'm well, going to be like. The thing, the thing I thought when I saw the photo, the cover okay. was that he looked very attractive in the cover. Oh, but okay. I will say, I'm guessing that he has about 14 pounds of makeup on, but Probably. I yeah. mean, he is a handsome guy. I mean, remember, okay. I don't know if you get, did you guys watch friends? He was the husband. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, which seems like it was like 30 years ago. Okay. But, um, and he was, you know, he was a handsome young guy then. Now he's a handsome old guy. Honest question for you, Laura, because I'm still real, not reeling. I'm still curious about the person you brought up last week. Bucky Den or Paul Rudd? Who are you picking? Bucky Den. <laughs> Bucky Den. Wow. <laughs> I, 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 I want to Google image search for Bucky Den. I probably should do it on my oh, personal man. Computer, I don't want to get in trouble at work for image searching Bucky. <laughs> Hopefully, there's not any bad pictures of Bucky. There you go. Oh, my goodness! I just put a link in for you. Oh, yeah. yes, this is my personal computer. So, make sure, make sure you look at the picture. Like, there's five pictures showing. Make sure you look at the fourth picture over. <laughs> oh, Bucky, dead. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> should, should I go incognito? Because yeah, I, uh, I want my wife pulling me aside later tonight, going, "He's not naked." What is it? The one where he's taking his shirt off? Oh no, it's the one of him with a bat behind his head, right? <laughs> yeah, and he's in, in the short shorts. <laughs> I will have you know, I had that poster. <laughs> you have that poster. Do you still have the poster, or is it? No, I don't. Okay. Damn. What would Will think if you had that poster? Uh, he'd probably wonder why I was hanging up posters. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just surprised they had a Bucky Dent poster. I oh mean, my god! Well, he was like a sex symbol. In New well, York. but he wasn't exactly like you know a star baseball player. But I mean, no, but he was, like he I was said, for Major League Baseball marketing back then, I guess. But yes. like I said, though, remember I said there was an episode of Ray Donovan named yeah. after him. He did have one moment where he, you know, destroyed the Red Sox. Okay. Oh yeah, and it was like. Totally unexpected, you know. Well, the whole run he over the green monster. Right? Yes, 
Yes. And then the famous quote from, was it Billy Martin? Where they're like Bucky F and Dent. Like that was yes. the big. Was that's that Billy Martin of, quote? That's the name of that episode. Bucky oh. F and Dent. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, and actually that episode of Ray Donovan is like one of the most crucial episodes for the entire series. Hmm. So they, okay. A lot of information comes out. So okay. I, of course, you know, think of it for a different reason. Is, is, is Bucky Dent still with us? Is he? Yes. He yeah. He's a coach or was. I don't know if he still is. I think he's probably really old now. You're going to find out that episode of Ray Donovan has like 10 million streams or something, and the yeah. rest of them have like a normal, yeah. you know, normal stream or something. Every, 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 every other episode has like 5 million streams, but this one episode. Has 10 million streams for some reason. He's 69. Holy crap. Wow. Um, could we could you effort Bucky Dent maybe for the podcast, Laura? Wouldn't <laughs> no. No. <laughs> oh, come on. I find that hard to believe. No, I, I, I think Bucky Dent's double, right? I mean, what's he doing now? Is he I mean, I'm not gonna have him come on just so I can talk about how attractive he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was, yeah. Oh boy. Oh uh, great. Still is though, I gotta say. See, there you go. Puka shell necklace is pretty, <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> we can reconnect a yeah. a a idol of a young Laura. <laughs> so that'd be good. Um oh yeah, and the other thing, um Check us out on our Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. I chuckled. It's getting a little too much. Uh, we were yelling about Chicago, and I got really mad at the Super Bowl shuffle, so I spent 13 minutes yelling about the Super Bowl shuffle, how dumb of a song it was. I got Twitter. I got added on Twitter by people yelling at me for talking about the Super Bowl shuffle. I'm like, have you ever heard any of my podcasts? That's all I do. Spend gobs of time talking about dumb stuff, you know? So, I don't know. What are your feelings feelings on Bernie Bernie? Bernie Bernie? Yeah, Bernie Kosar song. Oh, the Bernie Kosar song. Um, For one game... Joe Charbonneau. That was another classic. Well, for one game, I was actually a Browns fan. Because my mom yelled at me. It was a game that they ended up losing on the drive. My mom's like, you know, the Sears are out of it. Why don't you be a Browns fan for a game? All right, I'll be a Browns fan. And and, and Bernie Bernie was the song. I mean, they were playing that song right before the game that the Browns lost in the drive. So, yeah, I was listening to that for a while. Um, I know. I've got a big playlist saved up about really dumb Steelers fan songs. But it makes you laugh. There's a lot. There's, like, my favorite is the Steeler polka. Yes. Great one. I was there. I was working there in sports when they went to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 29. Oh, yeah. Oh, Laura, I got to share with you. I've got a YouTube playlist of really goofy songs. There's um, (laughs) there's this family that did a song called One More Time where they all had fake guitars and they were playing it. And the whole music video was of them hanging out with random Steelers, like, you know, uh, random Steelers from the 70s and 80s. And I don't know. I mean, I'm a Steelers fan. It made me laugh. So, I don't know. I have to it, say, a lot of Steelers players from, like, long ago still live in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised by that. I actually went to a mall, and Franco Harris opened the door for me. Really? Wow. <laughs> I did um, not ask him for his autograph. I once... <laughs> Met Cliff Stout at, at the oh, yeah. mall, which was kind of weird. Cool. And um, 
Paul, the guy, one of the guys does a Steel Curtain podcast, his daughter waited on a bunch of Steelers a couple weeks ago. Uh, she did um, smoothies at the airport, and I guess a bunch of Steelers just walked by and they won smoothies. So, I don't know. It's a small world. So, And then, yeah, we'll have to talk later. Um, big uh, game this weekend as the Steelers and the Lions play. That's Craig's favorite team. So. Big game. A big game. Come on, Chris. Come on. I, Steelers are doing their best to lose the game. They, they did a pretty good job almost losing it on Monday night. So who knows? So, all right. Well, hey, thanks for letting us kind of just talk about other stuff. The, the pony remark, right, is next week on Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yes. Can't wait. So it should be good. Check out the pony remark. And, hey, and to any other random talk that we threw into the episode, it's all good. So. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Laura. Thank you, Craig. And for for all these guys and me, thanks for checking out the Seinfeld Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the pony remark. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>